Summer getting warmer, tidal wave come across the Mexican border. Wide back gallon is cheaper by the barrel, just don't get busted singing Christmas carols. folks welcome aboard to this thursday night edition philip ward show we have now today oh this is an absolutely unbelievable phenomenal great terrific excellent it is a historic day folks katanji brown jackson will be on the United States Supreme Court. A liberal, radical activist replacing a liberal, radical activist. And we, oh my goodness, it was even bipartisan as well. We had, who were the senators, by the way? Um, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and Mitt Romney. I'm kind of shocked that Ben Sass wasn't thrown into the mix. There was some some good uh, quotes earlier from Republican senators, even Mitch McConnell, King Rhino himself, I found myself agreeing with him. I That, that r- rarely, if ever, happens. Anyway, so we'll get into that momentarily, folks. Here we go. Today is now the 752nd day of slowing the spread. What happened to 15 days to slow the spread? Nah. Can't do that. 30 days? No. Can't do that either. 752. Oh, on the topic of COVID, by the way, earlier today, Washington Free Beacon, Nancy Pelosi. By the way, hey, Nancy Pelosi was in the White House um, on Tuesday with Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Unity Biden. Oh, I don't know. Earlier today, Nancy Pelosi, this is how the Free Beacon frames it. Nancy Pelosi, who has fined Republicans for not wearing masks, comes down with COVID. Earlier today, Nancy Pelosi's office um, uh, releasing the statement that she has uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, I have it here, actually. Quote, after testing negative this week, Speaker Pelosi received a positive test uh, for COVID-19 is currently asymptomatic. This is according to Chief of Staff Drew Hemill. The speaker is fully vaccinated and boosted as well and is thankful for the robust protection, the vaccine, the Donald Trump administration Operation Warp Speed vaccine has provided. Folks, I believe that I speak for a lot of people, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, when I say we hope that the Speaker of the House is feeling it, it uh, gets better, recovers from COVID, and is uh, good to go. Because we have, oh my goodness, a great battle on our hands in November. And on the topic of November in the House and the Senate, boy, did you see how quick the Senate acted? I mean, they got Katanji Brown-Jackson. They got um, her in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. They got her confirmed today. They Whoa. Boy, they did that pretty quickly after Breyer said he was retired. Almost as if, I don't know, oh, I hate to say it, but maybe they're a little afraid about what could be coming in November in the midterm elections. Anyway, so uh, the Joe 
Unity Biden administration. And uh, Miranda Devine wrote a piece earlier today in the New York Post, which I think, folks, I have been saying what she chronicled earlier today for two days now, ever since I saw Barack Hussein Obama appearing with Joe Unity Biden. She writes, quote, Barack Obama's humiliation of feeble old Joe Biden. And that's exactly what it was. I was saying on Tuesday night how disrespectful Barack Obama was to Biden. Remember, he even said, uh, this is my this is my vice president, Joe Biden. And, and, and Joe, I mean, Joe said the same exact thing. He said, I'm Joe Biden. I'm Barack Obama's vice president. I mean, you know, Joe Biden's supposed to be the leader of the free world. And the whole world literally saw on Tuesday, Joe Biden's not calling the shots. Joe Biden mentally, physically, cognitively, he is no longer there. I wouldn't be surprised. And that leads to the next question. Who's really calling the shots? Is it a third term of Barack Obama? Is it Jen Sergelback, White House press secretary, who even, oh my, this, I, I literally was almost in tears earlier when I read that NBC, so you know, um, Jen Circleback Saki, current White House press secretary, won't be, um, in, I think in a month or so, she's actually leaving, but you have some journal, <laughs> you have some so-called journalists at NBC News, remember MSDNC is an extension of NBC News, and they, and you know, and we're supposed to believe that they're bipartisan, that they're right down the middle. Yeah, some journalists don't want. They're saying they're having trouble. They're vexed about Jen Psaki reportedly um, going to MSDNC. Folks, wait till I tell you the reason why they're so upset about it. Anyway, that's all to come throughout the course of the program. So earlier today, and it has been a historic day, Katanji Brown-Jackson confirmed the Supreme Court vote was bipartisan. Remember I told you when um, uh, Susan Collins was the first one to come out and say, I'm going to vote for her? Yeah, no, there, I mean, we have some, I have some problems with um, some past judicial decisions that she's made, but no, it's all right. I'll be the one, I'll be the one to take the bait. I want to make sure that history reflects that this was a bipartisan moment. We, uh, we had the biggest show of bipartisanship earlier today. No kidding. We had a bill in the Senate got passed a hundred to zilch, zero, nada, not a single senator voted against it. It was a good bill as well. Get to that um, later on. Oh, boy, a lot of news to get into today. My goodness gracious. Anyway, though, so the vote was bipartisan. 53-47. Collins, Murkowski, Romney, of course. All voting. Those are the Republicans. I was kind of shocked that, like, Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham. Now, Lindsey Graham did say that he was against the nomination, but you never know with Lindsey Graham. I mean, my goodness gracious. The Republican senators previously who announced their support For the, here it is, you ready? The history-making confirmation saying she is well-qualified. Vice President Kamala Harris presided over the confirmation vote earlier today. Folks, we need to understand who this person is. What Ketanji Brown-Jackson's judicial decisions have been. 
I have chronicled them many of times on this program because what we're led to believe with Democrats and take Joe Biden for the exact words that he used. He said before he even looked at the field of who he could potentially nominate to the Supreme Court, he said, you have to be an African-American and you have to be a woman. Those were the only two qualifications, not my words, Joe Unity Biden's words. That was it. He didn't care about some of the decisions she's made. She, he doesn't care about what she advocates for. He didn't care. I mean, I don't know if he knew this at the time, that she couldn't even give the definition of what a woman is when Senator Marsha Blackburn was questioning her over that. But we're led to believe that Democrats are doing this and have now confirmed the nomination because they care so much about diversity. That's what they care about. Do they really? That's the question that I'm asking. Folks, there is a a current United States senator, Tim Scott is his name. He is an African-American from the Paul Meadow State of South Carolina. I want you to listen to this. Earlier today, Democratic Senator Chris Murphy, and keep in mind that as we speak, Tim Scott is an African-American senator. Listen to what Senator uh, Democratic Senator Murphy, uh, Chris Murphy said earlier, right? Let's get a hold of this. Yeah, I, I just coincidentally got the chance to walk out of the chamber after the vote with um, Representative, uh, excuse me, Senator Warnock, um, the first African-American senator from the Deep South. What? Uh, since we- Whoa! Huh? The, huh? the first African-American senator from the Deep South? So does South, by the way, in the Peach State, Georgia. Uh, uh, Warnock, but Raphael Warnock. But hold on a minute here. So Tim Scott, though, because he's a Republican, I guess doesn't count. Now, remember, this isn't the first time we've heard Democrats saying things like this. Oh, no, no, no. If you remember when Joe Unity Biden himself was on with Charlemagne the God and said to him, quote, if you don't know, whether you're for me or for Trump, uh-oh, then you ain't black. That was literally what Joe Unity Biden said. Now you get Murphy out there today. Yeah, Warnock's the first African-American senator from the Deep South. No, Tim Scott, according to him, I guess doesn't exist. But this is the party that cares so much about diversity, right? So much to the point where we had this about Katanji Brown-Jackson. Senator Charles E. Grassley, Chuck Grassley, I'm going to play a clip from him in a second. The guy's got a phenomenal voice. If he was a Democrat, I'd be saying the same thing. This was in the Washington Times. This was back um, in March. Charles E. Grassley, ranking Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, said at the opening of the panel's confirmation hearing that the Obama White House withheld 48 thousand pages, 48,000 pages of requested information. Why? Oh, they cited the Presidential Records Act. Those are documents, by the way, those 48,000 documents related to the nomination of Katanji Brown Jackson. He said, quote, that's a lot of hiding. The limited number of useful records we received from the Obama White House show exactly why sentencing commission documents would have been important. There are a number of dark money groups on the left that argue 
federal judges should make policy decisions based on the judge's own values. Oh, well, I mean, that's... Ketanji Brown-Jackson, make no mistake, will be, I'm telling you right now, folks, will be guaranteed, guaranteed, like Charles Barkley says, will be a liberal activist. But I kind of think if she doesn't even know, because, again, this will, this woman is that will now be a Supreme Court justice when she is sworn in. She doesn't know what the definition of a woman is. So are, is she going to... Take, recuse herself, take herself out of any decision that has anything to do with, I don't know, Roe v. Wade? Maybe. She doesn't even know what the definition of a woman is. And again, remember, this is a woman. We've gone through it. United States v. Hawkins, sex offender, multiple images of child porn, was over 18. Sentencing guidelines called for a sentence of up to 10 years. What a Judge Jackson. Now it's going to be Justice Jackson. Sentence the perpetrator. Three months, three months in prison when it should have been 10 years. And, um, you know, we went over that case extensively. Even though, even the Washington Post went in depth on that one. United States v. Stewart, where the criminal possessed thousands of images of child porn, also hoped to travel across state lines to abuse a nine-year-old girl. The guidelines called for a sentence of 97 to 121 months. Well, Justice Jackson sentenced the criminal just 57. Yeah, that'll work. Even called that one, uh, quote, egregious. U.S. v. Cooper. Criminal had more than 600 images of video and videos and posted many on a public blog. Guidelines called for a sentence of 151 to 188 months. Justice Jackson settled on 60 months, which is the lowest possible sentence allowed by law. In the United States v. Chazen, Fender had 48 files of child porn, which he had, he had accessed over a period of years. Guidelines recommended 78 to 97 months. Justice Jackson, uh, yep, yeah, 28 will work. That's fine. USV Downs, perpetrator posted multiple images to an anonymous instant messaging app, including an image of a child under the age of five. Guidelines recommended 70 to 87 months. Justice Jackson gave him the lowest sentence again allowed by law. 60 months. That's it. That'll teach him. U.S. v. Sears. The sex offender distributed more than 102 child porn videos. Also sent, get this one, right? Also sent lewd pictures of his own 10-year-old daughter. Guidelines recommended 97 to 121 months in prison. Justice Jackson gave him 71 months. That's it. Yeah, he'll learn. U.S. v. Savage. Sex offender was convicted of travel with intent to engage in illicit sex con- sexual conduct. Also admitted to transporting child pornography. Guidelines recommended 46 to 57 months. Justice Jackson gave him 50, excuse me, 37. And that was it. Now, all day, all you have heard is how historic, how this is phenomenal. This is going to make the United States, the, the court look more like America. Really having a, an African-American woman on the Supreme Court. Well, folks, I will tell you right now. And, and you know what? And I haven't heard this name 
mentioned too much throughout the day at the cover, the ongoing coverage of the uh, the news media and Katan, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. Oh no, I haven't heard the name Janice Rogers Brown. And I'll tell you about Janice Rogers Brown because Mike Davis wrote this. I believe this was in Newsweek, something like that. Democrats don't actually care about diversity in the courts. President Biden had the opportunity, took the opportunity to make history by nominating the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court, um, Charles E. Schumer, saying, oh, Charles E. Schumer is going absolutely crazy today. He's loving every part of today. Uh, Senator Dick Durbin, let's face the reality here. We've had 115 Supreme Court justices. 108 have been white men. I think there is room for us to consider not only women, but women of color to fill these vacancies. Well, hmm. in 2003, though, Senate Democrats, including, oh, let's see, who was in the United States Senate in 2003, coming up on his 838th year in the Senate at that point? Oh, it was Senator Joe Unity Biden. And what did he and the Senate Democrats do? They filibustered the nomination of California Supreme Court Justice Janice Rogers Brown to the D.C. Circuit, which is the second highest court in the land. And if you go there, there's probably a good chance you might just make it to the Supreme Court. And there was a lot of talk around Brown would likely be the first black female Supreme Court justice. You know what liberals and Democrats did? They smeared Brown said she was, quote, unqualified to serve. And, and, you know, they even trashed uh, uh, President George W. Bush at the time. And then, by the way, Joe Biden passionately filibustered Brown's nomination, even praised Senator Robert Byrd. You know, Senator Robert Byrd, Democrat from West Bygod, Virginia, who was an exalted cyclops in the KKK. Um, Biden called the filibuster the most important vote of his career, Mm, praising a Klansman while using what Democrats now call a Jim Crow relic to shut down the nomination of a black woman. Nothing more perfectly sums up Democrats record on race and the federal courts. And now, but now, folks, now they care about diversity um, earlier today, folks, this was, uh, you know, this is our highest, as far as Republicans go, our highest ranking elected Republican, King Rhino, Mitch McConnell. I'm going to give him credit, though. He was he was on he was on it earlier today. Here he was. <clears throat> President Biden was elected on the promise that he would govern as a moderate and unite the country. Joe he insisted Unity. the radical left would not be calling the shots. Please. Senator will commence. He insisted the radical left would not be calling the shots on his watch. Mm. But when it came to one of the most consequential decisions a president can make, a lifetime appointment to our highest court, the Biden administration let the radicals run the show. Oh, did he? With Washington Democrats in power, the far left got the right. Is it just that, by the way, Mitch? Is it just the Supreme Court justice nomination where the radicals are running the show? Is it just that, Mitch? You know, where's McConnell? About all the rest of the radicals running the show, the policies that Joe Unity advocates for and puts into place. Where's the rest of the—where are you on that, Mitch? 
reckless inflationary spending they wanted. The far left has gotten the insecure border they wanted. And today, the far left will get the Supreme Court justice they wanted. The fringe activists who demand partisan court packing, attack the justices, and describe our Constitution as... Folks, just a quick note, by the way. McConnell is so old and... Fr- I mean, he is just like Joe Unity Biden. He really is. Where's this Mitch McConnell? Every single day, though. Never see it from this guy. King Rhino, I call him. Trash made up their minds from the start of this administration. If a Supreme Court vacancy should arise, they wanted one nominee and one, one nominee only, Judge Jackson. They spent dark money to promote this person specifically. They pushed her for the D.C. Circuit. Then they badgered Justice Breyer to quit In February, one of these groups announced Judge Jackson would be the nominee before President Biden actually did make the announcement. So think about that for a moment. Hey, folks, welcome back. Philip Ward Show, the show that keeps people up at night. Here on PJWBNY, folks. So earlier today, it wasn't just McConnell who was getting involved with it either. No, it was – wait till I, you folks, if you haven't heard from Senator uh, Chuck Grassley from Iowa, oh, my goodness, folks. Uh, and by the way, on point, on message, talking about um, – now Justice Jackson, her position on natural rights. Wait till you hear the guy's voice. This is Chuck Grassley, folks. Phenomenal voice on him. Listen. For judicial nominees, their philosophy ought to decide how to decide cases ought to be a primary consideration. Part of having a judicial philosophy is having an understanding of the fundamental principles of our Constitution. Natural rights are a part of that system. Judge Jackson explained to us that she does not, quote, hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights. Now, that ought to be very shocking. Natural rights are basic to our constitutional system and principles of limited government. See, folks, the guy's voice is absolutely fun. I mean, he could be like he could be like a like a high school principal that you do not want to. I mean, he is just he is a phenomenal guy. He really is an obs- um, substance as well about Katanji Brown Jackson. Now, I wanted to play you one more clip. Now, this was uh, Mitch McConnell finishing his um, statement earlier today. Unfortunately, what the Senate's process turned up was disturbing. First, the nominee would not follow the Ginsburg-Briar precedent and denounce the insane concept of partisan court packing. Second, her judicial record is full of cases where Judge Jackson ruled like a policymaker implementing personal biases instead of a judge following the text wherever it led. 
And third, her aggressive judicial activism frequently focused on treating convicted criminals as gently as possible. Mm, she did, didn't she, Mitch? In literally case after case, from deadly fentanyl to open borders to child exploitation, Judge Jackson tilted the scales of justice away from public safety and innocent victims Great in line. favor of her career-long passion for softening up criminal sentencing. <clears throat> By the way, you, you, you hear some of these senators, right? Some of the lines they come out with, yeah, they're not... <laughs> They're not writing this stuff. It's a great line, though. Kudos to the, whoever wrote it. In Judge Jackson's courtroom, plain legal text and clear congressional intent were no match <clears throat> for what the judge admits are her personal policy disagreements. Even as a violent crime wave sweeps America, Democrats are pursuing a nationwide campaign to make the justice system softer on crime. They're stacking the deck with far-left prosecutors, woke warriors at the Department woke of Justice, warriors. and federal judges who believe criminals deserve lighter treatment. This project is terrible for innocent American families. Mm -hmm. And every piece of evidence suggests Democrats view Judge Jackson as its crown jewel. It's crown jewel, Mitch McConnell referring to Katanji Brown Jackson has now, like I said, folks, the Democrat. This is the Democrats are absolutely loving. Oh, they are having a party down in D.C. for the uh, confirmation of Justice. Now will be Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, folks. All right, so Joe Unity Biden. I kind of gave him a break. You know, we usually give him quite a bit of flack. The top of this show. Either way, you know, we had to get it to the uh, Senate Democrats, Katanji Brown Jackson, today. Anyway, though, so Miranda Devine pointing out something. The point that I've been making on this program for two days now, how downright, there's no other way to really describe it, how disrespectful Barack Obama was to Joe Unity Biden. And you, I mean, a lot of us have seen the video out there. Where Joe's like just wandering around. He's like, he's grabbing, Barack, Barack, he's grabbing on his shoulder. Barack Obama doesn't want to even speak to Joe Unity Biden. I mean, it, it is so embarrassing for Joe. She writes this, Barack Obama's humiliation of a feeble old Joe Biden. Quote, who had the stupid idea to invite his charismatic predecessor back to upstage the president and humiliate him before the world. Right. They didn't need to bring Barack Hussein Obama in to do that. Why? You don't have to do that. Joe Biden does enough humiliating himself on his own. Anytime he goes off topic, and again, it would be pretty comical if some things that Joe says couldn't bring us to the brink of world war, for goodness sake, this man can absolutely not remain in power. No, the White House, oh, no, no, he wasn't calling for regime change. Then he gets back on and says, no, he doubles down. I mean, he cannot remain in power. He says, then he, remember he told our troops in Poland, oh, you'll see for yourself when you're in Ukraine. Oh, that's real nice, Joe. So we are going to have 
boots on the ground. Then the White House had to come up and clean that up again. You know, I'll tell you, I haven't heard from too many Democrats who are happy with the job that Joe Unity Biden is doing. I really haven't. So, quote, Miranda Devine in the New York Post. If the idea was to borrow the Barack Obama magic, she calls it, well, fortunately it backfired. The president looked feeble and unpopular against, and it was, it, it, you know, again, if it wasn't the leader of the free world, our commander in chief, it, it, it would have, you would have like been sad for him, but I have no sympathy for Joe anymore. I really don't. He looked feeble and unpopular against his limelight-hogging former boss. What do I tell you, folks? There ain't a photo that Barack Hussein Obama ain't going to jump in. I had a photo of Barack. Of course, you get a photo with Barack. Unless it's Joe Biden. You don't want any photos with Joe Biden. Obama began his speech by referring to the president as Vice President Biden. Then had to quickly follow it. Oh, well, that was a joke. The point was understood by Everyone, though, Joe is the beta in the relationship, even if he is the most powerful man on the planet. So what does that make Barack Obama? Well, as uh, Steve Guest, who's a communications advisor for Senator Ted Cruz, he says that Obama mentioned himself, get this, 33 times during his speech, Obama sang his own praises as he rattled off a list of his presidency and his presidential accomplishments. Joe, here was here. I'll tell you what, folks. I'll, since Barack Hussein Obama didn't want to give you the list of Joe's accomplishments, I'll give them for you. Ready? Here they are. Up. Uh, oh boy. Yep. There. That's right. I forgot, folks. There's none. There is none at all. And how can that be when you have a Democrat now who is in the White House firmly? Well, I mean, is he really in the White House, though? He's always in that fake, made-up White House set, which is awfully weird. Regardless of your party affiliation, it's pretty weird to see a, a White House having to make a new Oval Office. It's just it, it's very strange. It really is. But you have him in there, you have Democrats who have total control of the House, and you have Democrats who have control of the Senate. And yet still, Joe Biden is acting as a lame duck president. He can't get anything accomplished. He's got one thing through, a bipartisan infrastructure bill. That's it. That's all that Joe has has done. And if Republicans, God willing get control of the House and the Senate in November, what is Joe's legacy? Not only of this last two years, but of the 50 years previously that he has spent in Washington, D.C. What is his legacy? I think Joe, but I truly believe not a lot of people, and if they do, it'll be in a bad, negative respect, that they remember Joe as president. I think Joe Biden could very well go down in history as exactly what Barack Hussein Obama called him, at exactly what he himself called himself, Barack Obama's vice president. I think that history might reflect Joe Biden. Now, we don't really remember Joe as president. 
Joe Biden. And why would Democrats anyway? I mean, this presidency has been a disaster. No one in this country is better off now than they were under Donald Trump. Not a single person, at least no one that I've talked to. Maybe legal immigrants and aliens are, are better off, but not an a American citizen at all. None, 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 folks. But Joe could very well go down in history as Barack Obama's vice president. And that, that alone, I mean, hey, it is an, the greatest accomplishment in the world to become president of the United States. And yet that's what Joe could be remembered as. And, and it seemed, again, as I'm pointing, as Miranda Devine points out, to reinforce the point, Barack Obama was completely disrespectful to Joe Biden. After the speech, Joe, Barack, Kamala mingled with the crowd. That, oh, that was where Obama showed his true colors. Now, in C-SPAN videos, you see Biden quite cheery, glad-handed that the crowd, the Harris at his side, when suddenly from stage left, <laughs> when you're talking about Barack Hussein Obama, you mean the far, far, far left, emerges Obama, face creased into a handsome smile, eyeing the same group that Biden is schmoozing. Well, Harris senses Obama's presence, whips around with a joyous expression. They meet each other's gaze for an instant. The smile vanishes from Biden's face as Harris turns away. He spots Obama, and a frown furies his brow. Obama, by way of greeting Harris, tosses his head like a horse. She responds by hunching her shoulders like an excited kid as a frowning Joe Unity Biden moves closer, looking faintly amused, her lips pursed in a sort of private, uh-oh, ooh boy. Biden's face grows thunderous. He opens his mouth in a snarl looking straight at the side of Obama's head, says something that sounds like, it's not my, and then stops himself. There's no, folks, and, and, and she she chronicles this throughout the entire piece, then gets into the point where here's Joe, who's like, Barack, 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 he's frantically, he's got his hand on his shoulder, Barack, I just want to talk to you, Barack, take a picture with me or something, please, my goodness gracious. Barack Obama folks wanted nothing to do with it at all. And it's not and it's not just Barack Obama who and I I've been making the point I think the the media is also firmly turned on Joe. You now have folks and and you know what actually let me give you another indication of the media turning on Joe Unity Biden. Earlier today MSDNC, I mean Chuck Todd is he's like sort of leading the pack. MSDNC is leading the pack. Steve Kornacki. Remember, remember Steve Kornacki? He got a lot of praise for stapling a tie or something like that on election. It was, it was very weird. But this was him earlier today. Listen to this because this, again, bad news for the Democrats, and it's being played on MSDNC. That's what surprises me the most. One thing, impossibility it raises is this issue we've been talking about when it comes to the Hispanic vote. Mm -hmm. And is yep. the Hispanic vote becoming more of an up for grabs uh, 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 electorate what? here? So here's uh -huh. something we have. Hispanic voters 
without degrees. Mm -hmm. In 2018, again, the post-election study, one, they folks. went for Democrats by a 44-point margin. In 2020, post-election survey, this is one of the biggest shifts we saw in 2020. The post-election yep. survey showed 30 points of movement in the Republican direction Whoa. among Hispanic voters without degrees. Again, Democrats winning, but their margin down to 14 points right there. We don't have good polling numbers this uh, early in the year that break it down to that level. But overall, I can tell you, Hispanic voters voted Democratic by 47 points in 18 in our mm -hmm. polling now. 15 points have been shaved off that in the Republican direction. Ooh. There have been some other polls out there that have that even closer. So I think particularly Hispanic voters without college yep. degrees We've got some evidence that there was significant movement there between 18 and 20, and I think that could be playing a role here potentially, certainly something to look at in 22. And remember, this is, this is the same Chuck Todd, whether it's meet the press on Sunday, where you know he anchors and he did used to be Tim Russert. He will never be close to Tim Russert. Maybe there's a Buffalo bias about it. I don't believe so. I think a lot of people would agree with me, even outside of, of um, Buffalo. But even, even on his show, Meet the Press Daily, he has been highlighting this, that, and he's been saying, even as this little meter about him, that if things, if the election was today, that the Democrats and the Democratic Party right now, with Joe Biden having lower than forty-five percent approval rating, are going, are they are quote in shellacking territory heading into the midterm elections, folks. Again, more bad news for Joe Unity Biden and his party. What makes essential workers essential? We build safe roads for you to drive on. We harvest fresh produce for your families to eat. We help you heal when you're sick. We get you where you need to go. We keep where you work and live clean and safe. We make sure you get what you need to make your household work. You're the essential workers who help our nation run. You're in every city, town, and corner of our country, and you come from all over the globe. And you have essential protections under the law. I'm Marty Walsh. The Wage and Hour Division at the Department of Labor helps ensure you receive the essential protections you deserve. If you have questions about your pay or about your job protection during an illness, visit our website or call 866-4-US-WAGE. That's 866-487-9243. We can provide help in more than 200 languages. Brought to you by the United States Department of Labor. Submissions are now open for Battle of the Bands. Email us your five original songs and a band statement to battle at wbny.org. Deadline for submission is Friday, April 15th, and the six finalists will be announced live on air Wednesday, April 20th. So compile your playlist and send your submissions to battle at wbny.org. We stand on the shoulders of the women who came before us. Women who were told they were bad with money. Women who couldn't even get a credit card without a man co-signing. Women who fought for their own financial futures. And now it's our turn to lead the way. Join us at WeSaySaveIt.org. Where women of all ages and all budgets are learning how to save for retirement. You work hard. You make money. Now make that money work for you. Invest in yourself at WeSaySaveIt.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. 
When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. W B N Y and the show that keeps people up at night. Anyway, so check this out as well because moderate Democrats now they are like, uh oh, Joe, this Title Forty Two thing. Uh, I don't know if that was the best choice. This was in a uh, CBS News first reported in Axios. Quote: Moderate Democrats join GOP Republican senators. To back Bill, how about that? How about some bipartisanship on this Thursday night, huh? Joining with Republican senators to back the bill to delay the end of Title 42 border expulsions. Well, I mean, Title 42, you know, with it going away, an illegal alien, you know, come on over to our country. We're going to give you health care. We're going to give you a driver's license. We're going to give you food. And we're going to give you a Biden phone. Now as well. I mean, that, oh boy, they really, remember when Kamala Harris, that, that video, it went pretty viral. We're saying, do not come. Why would they not? My goodness gracious, we're giving them everything. Remember, it's all for free. And if you oppose it, got some bad news for you, buddy. You must be racist. You must be anti-immigration. Group of Democratic senators earlier today joining with Republican senators in introducing a measure that would temporarily block the Biden administration's plan to end pan-slash-plandemic-related restrictions that allow border authorities to quickly expel illegal aliens, CBS News says migrants. The proposal, co-sponsored by six Republican senators, five moderate Democrats, would prevent the CDC, we like to call the DN, CDC, from following through with an order published last week. Title 42 going away, they say. You can kind of, by the way, you would kind of, if you had to guess the senators, you probably would get it. Kirsten Sinema, Mark Kelly, both of Arizona, border state, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, John Tester, Montana, Joe Manchin of West, by God, Virginia, co-sponsoring the bill alongside James Langford of Oklahoma, John Thune of South Dakota, John Cornyn of Texas, Tom Dillis. North Carolina, Shelley Marie Capito of West Bagod, Virginia, and Rob Portman of Ohio. That's not the only bipartisan uh, bill we had passed today as well, folks. But I wanted to get to this quickly here. How about this headline in the Washington Free Beacon? <clears throat> Lib journos, journos. Jur- so, you know, short for journalists, if that's what you want to call them. That's, that's the angle. You want to take that one over at NBC News. Get this one. Lib journalists at NBC don't want to hire Saki. Why? 
why would they not want Jen Circleback Saki on their air? These are the the NBC News absolutely loves Jen Saki and Democrats. Of course they do. NBC News journalists are quote troubled by and have expressed dismay at MSDNC's plan to hire White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Quote, and this is from uh, Friday with NBC News President Noah Oppenheim about the Psaki hiring. Propaganda News, CNN reported, VEX staffers from the Washington Bureau had an impromptu phone call. Some of the, em- <laughs> some of the employees have complained to their superiors, get this, that the tentative hiring... Of, of, of Jen Psaki, the current White House press secretary, Democrat, her tentative hiring tarnishes the NBC News brand. No, folks, not the Trump-Russia collusion, not the uh, New York Post, Hunter Biden suppress it laptop story, nothing like that. That doesn't tarnish the brand of NBC News. You know, Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show. Savannah Guthrie may be an outsider, doesn't really get involved in uh, politics too much. I would think, yeah, Savannah Guthrie, all right, well, she sort of seems bipartisan. Uh Uh-uh, no bueno. Savannah Guthrie is married to Michael Feldman, who was the traveling chief of staff to Al Gore. A Democratic strategy, Michael Feldman, Democrat his whole entire life. Which, and remember, Savannah Guthrie, when she was on and she was uh, supposedly was supposed to be moderating a town hall with Donald Trump, and she just literally debated him for the entire hour, and it was disgusting. And then, on the topic of the don't say gay bill in Florida, or as the official title of the bill is the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Again, seven pages long. I'm, I, I say to everyone, go out there and read it for yourself. But on that, they wrote an article. NBC News did this now. Who doesn't want their, their brand to be tarnished by hiring Jen Circleback Saki? They wrote an article with the headline reading the quote, Don't Say Gay Bill. Then, and again, I, you know, we, I'm a younger guy in this country, only 26 years of age. My generation now at this point, I don't know what we're called, by the way. It's like millennial or Gen Z or something like, I could care less than keeping up with it. But my generation, folks, and I think a lot of people would agree, Republican or Democrat, we're a generation of headlines. You know, we read a headline and we say, okay, well, now we're well informed about the topic. We don't get into, we don't read the whole entire article. And and I, some people, you know, with the way that technology and social media is gone now, people just, I think, lose interest. You know, we don't see a lot of people, uh, younger generation, reading newspapers, reading actual full articles. You know, maybe, hey, you know, maybe I'm the wrong one. Maybe I'm the exception here. But you know what? I'm a man of the right. And right, I, I like to say we're called the right. For a reason, but in the headline, if you just read the headline, you say, "Oh, well, this bill is terrible." This here's NBC News saying the "Don't Say Gay" bill. If you read further along, though, you will find they write literally in their own article with the headline calling the bill the "Don't Say Gay" bill. Quote: Critics have referred to it 
as the don't say gay bill. Right then and there with that sentence, NBC News is literally telling you that they are a critic of the bill. And this was filed in the news section. It wasn't like an op-ed from NBC. And again, it's not MSDNC, which, oh my. Oh, you know what? They're actually mentioned there. I'll get to that in a second. But it was under the news category in so-called NBC News, literally telling you that they're a critic of the bill. So I almost fell out of my chair when I read that. We don't want her because it could tarnish the NBC News brand. That's some bad news for those folks. The staffers noted that negotiations between MSDNC and Jen Psaki are happening, quote, while she is still in her post as White House press secretary. Instead of giving Psaki a political analyst position, moreover, MSDNC intends to make her a host of her own streaming show. Um, Here's a quote here. Uh, Propaganda News, CNN says, NBC News journalists have watched closely as MSDNC has leaned into shows that prioritize commentary and perspective over those that emphasize hard news reporting. Well, they kind of have a point there. I think commentary now has well overtaken the news, just your traditional news anchor, because it's boring. It's as true as that. People want opinion news nowadays. I think that's the direction that the country's headed. I don't think the country's heading back to straight news reporting. One of the reasons that being is that you don't know who to trust anymore. The example I just gave you of NBC News. How can you trust that they're going to give you real straight news? You can't. Sad to say, but it's really as simple as that now. So they say, NBC News journalists have watched closely as MSDNC has prioritized commentary. Sources at MSDNC laid the blame on network president Rashida Jones, who took over about a year ago. Quote, Rashida is unapologetic with what she's doing with MSDNC. She has been clear about the network's direction. So there, NBC News journalists are upset with Jen Psaki coming in because they're afraid she's going to tarnish the brand. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now, let's see. What do we got? All right, folks. Let's, uh, I want to get into this because this was bipartisan as well today. How about this? You don't see this very often. The Senate voting earlier, 100 every single U.S. senator. Hey, today, today is a day of bipartisanship. You know, today is an historic day. For the country, right? Where Democrats, again, we got the uh, we get the uh, message that Democrats care about diversity. Janice, um, Janice Rogers, you can forget about that. But, you know, besides that, anyway, Senate votes 100 to zero to limit trade with Russia and ban oil imports. Well, hey, I tell you what, I don't think that there's a single person that's going to oppose that. This is good to see. Senate today unanimously Passed. By the way, you can keep that. You better hang on to that sentence for a while. Senate voting unanimously, passing a package to end normal trade relations with Russia and Belarus and codify the administration's ban on Russian imports, capping off weeks of negotiations that had stalled the legislation. Senators voting 100 to zero 
On the two bills, first ends permanent normal trade relations with Russia and Belarus. The bill also reauthorizes Magnitsky, Magnitsky, however you want to pronounce it. You know what that act is? It, it's actually pretty, pretty wild. Um, 2016, Congress enacted the Global Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act. It allows the U.S. government to sanction foreign government officials implicated in human rights abuses anywhere in the world. Well, I mean, if there's something that Vladimir Putin and Russia are violating right now, I would say it is definitely human um, rights. Um, Second bill, which also passed 100 to 0, codifies the Biden administration's ban on Russian oil imports, which I could pull my hair out. I've been saying it for a long time. A lot of people have been saying it as well. If we increase natural gas and oil production here in the United States and we're energy independent again, well, then guess what? Our European allies don't have to be so reliant on Russian gas, Russian oil, and they can come to us, a country that you would like to say, here's NATO, here's, these are our allies, they can trust us over Russia. I swear that there was a former president, by the way, who was saying that it's pretty inappropriate that here's Germany who's still like getting all their oil and gas from Russia and Vladimir Putin. Uh, because the Senate made changes to both bills, they need to be passed by the House before they go to Joe Unity Biden's desk. Quote, no nation whose military is committing war crimes deserves free trade status with the United States. No vile thug like Putin deserves to stand as an equal with the leaders of the free world. That was Charles E. Schumer. You can mark this down, too. I actually agree with Charles E. Schumer on something. Remember, Biden himself is called Russia and Vladimir Putin. Genocide. Putin is guilty of genocide. And call, even, he's gone, has he called him a war criminal at this point? I think he might have either way. You know, he says that he cannot, quote, remain in power. And so, folks, some of the horrific and awful things that have been coming out of Ukraine. Just, like, here's one headline here. Russian soldiers have raped girls as young as 10 pulled out Ukrainians' tongue. I mean, it's just, it's so disgusting to hear this. You know, Zelensky um, saying, quote, they killed entire families, adults and children. They've tried to burn the bodies. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it is so disgusting to even talk about. And my heart, my thoughts and prayers are very much with the uh, Ukrainian people, President Zelensky over there in Ukraine. Folks, we have entered the 752nd day of slowing the spread. We now have 1,018 days left to endure. Never a bad day to be an American, folks. Have a great night. Back here tomorrow.